Welcome to the Moradoff Show. I am Jonathan Moradoff, a leisure property agent at DCL in London. The Moradoff Show is your opportunity to hear about the trends, challenges and inside stories from some of the leading restaurant, bar and late night venue operators, as well as landlords who own venues in the hospitality sector. Enjoy the show! Today, I'm delighted to introduce the star of the show, the Michelin star chef, David Moore, who has almost had a Michelin star for 30 years next year at the famous Pierre de Terre in Charlotte Street, Fitzrovia. Delighted to have you on board today, David. You've had uh, quite an interesting journey in the leisure world so far. Um, We had the Le Tripier, which you sold to uh, our dear friend, Mr. Simon Rogan in 2017. Um, you've had various smokehouse concepts. You've had the pop-ups. You obviously were had a wonderful gig on the restaurant series with Raymond Blanc. And I think you developed a nice relationship there with uh, lovely Sarah, Sarah Willingham from Dragon's Dead. And, uh, and of course, you're now very much involved in the London Cocktail Club, uh, which I think you've got about 11 cocktail bars currently, um, which have been managing the storm as best they can. Um, and of course, we had the pleasure of working together on the Devereux, um, which is a beautiful pub and restaurant. Um, and that was a great deal we did together. It was a lot of fun and great journey. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. David, on this dull day, can you please bring us some sunshine? How, how are you getting on, David? Uh, so the restaurant is my first and foremost. I mean, that's my first child, Peter Terre. And as you said, yeah, 20, 29 years at the moment, 20, 30 years next year. Um, and the game plan is uh, to stay in the game. That's the game plan. Um, break even would be would be great. Uh, just see ourselves through now till middle of next year when we either have the vaccine or we, or we have some other way of controlling this virus. Uh, at the moment, we've come back uh, first week of September, we reopened and we had a really storming month in September. We had to relook at everything that we did. So Pierre Tell used to open six days a week with 31 staff. We now open four days a week, double shifts, doing eight shifts uh, with 16 staff. Yeah. Uh, and the formula was working in September before the rule of six and before the curfew. So um, when, when those... Uh, those grenades were lobbed at us. We saw ooh, we we took about a 35-40% hit the following week. The next week we came back with all day dining on our four days. So we opened up in the afternoon, welcoming diners at three, four, five o'clock. Um, and we saw ourselves you know, fighting that back, and we were we were almost back to what we were doing before the curfew had been brought in. Uh, but sadly, the the, the rule of um, one family and a bubble, as um, you know, the the booking requirement now that that has seen business just dive to slightly under half of what we were doing, say three four weeks ago. So we every time they throw something at us, we try to pivot and change and come back positive with with some something different and another way of looking at things. Uh, it's a struggle to see were the next pivot and what the next change is that we can do to keep on top of it. 
Wow, you, you mentioned the word changes, um, and it sounds like you've really done well to adapt with your staff um, and the modeling of, of the restaurant currently. What, what other changes have you implemented? I mean, how are you getting on with landlords and rents, et cetera? Uh, well, changes that we've made, there's, there's not much that we can do about our landlords. They, the landlords are the landlords, um, and yeah, we have to try to negotiate with them separately. But we used to have nine chefs in the kitchen to produce Michelin star dining. Um, and the big victim now, I think, is choice. We've removed a lot of menus. So we, we have um, a 10 course tasting menu, which uh, you can choose. You can have a la carte from, you can have a start and main course at 65. You can have all 10 courses at 95. Or you can have something in between a six or eight course tasting. Uh, and that's what we do. That along with our vegan choice, which is massively, massively popular. So choice is the big victim. That's what we've changed mostly. Ooh, yeah. So, and the landlords. I mean, I'm hopeful that the landlords will start to see the light, and that they'll know that they can't carry on earning the same returns that they have been from, especially someone like Peter Ter, you know, for 29 years without a single void. Wow. That's yeah. I would like to have thought that's a nice relationship you've built over those many years. Um, and what I've what I've really seen in our experience so far is obviously our our firm at Davis Coffer Lions have been negotiating a lot of deals with the landlords and tenants over the past nine months or so or since March. Um, and when both parties have been uh, you know, in negotiations and discussions, we've, we've had some really good results. And I think that's so crucial right now in this market, because like you said, it's all about survival. And I think it's in all parties' best interest to try and come to a you know, happy medium where, where, where all sides are mm -hmm. happy. I think that's really important to get through it. Um, you're telling me I should be talking to my landlord a bit more than maybe I am. Um, I think that I think you should give us a call after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us more about your your vegan menu. That sounds really interesting and delicious. Well, we've always been good at vegan, um, and you know, many years ago I decided that we really had to have a, a strong vegan menu. And it was, it was one of those things that I've had a couple of changes of chef. And when you have the change of chef, it's always a little easier to dictate a new norm. So um, with Astimakis coming in in 2017, so he had moved from L'Otrepier back to Charlotte Street. Uh, and at that stage, I was able to get him on board with, you know, coming back to Charlotte Street, we really need to make sure the offering we have for the vegan menu is as every bit good as everything else that we do. So it's always been part of what he's done as head chef. Uh, and then it, during lockdown, we launched um, a vegan home delivery. So Ooh. I had seen that the popularity of the home deliveries, and you only had to stand out on Charlotte Street and see the the bikes going up and down the street from from Rocker, from the Ninth, from Lima. Everybody was, they were they were all pumping it out, and I was I was just reluctant to try and do Pierre Terre, what we normally would do, which is quite fancy pants, and it's always down to that last little touch, that last little garnish, that little delicate flavouring and seasoning, that I knew would not survive a motorbike ride, but if we did something different, that wouldn't be judged in the same way. So. 
I thought doing something vegan had a couple of um, advantages. One is that there were no expectations that it was going to be top draw, fine dining, wonderful presentation. We could dictate what we wanted to do um, and we could reach out uh, and engage with not just our own customers, but with a new customer base, you know, people that didn't know that we did vegan so well and a home delivery forum. So it's a, it's a new, yeah, it's that's... all new. And it, I'm just starting to see uh, the possibilities with it because the restaurant some evenings now is uh, half full or more than half full with vegan customers um, on full tasting menu. Um, we now have a repertoire of about 70 dishes, which we've been serving on the home delivery, mm -hmm. uh, which I think will make a great cookbook. So oh, wow. we are talking to publishers at the moment about the Pieta COVID-19 um, delivery cookbook. Uh, and I'm also looking and uh, chasing down the avenues for um, supermarket. I could see, I mean, the Pieta brand um, I miraculously haven't messed it up over the last 30 years. So it, it does have, uh, it, you know, it's a pedigree brand. And I'm thinking that the vegan um, ready meal from pied is something that could sit on a supermarket shelf. So um, finding people who can help us make those dishes and doing a deal with a supermarket who might like to be at the forefront of a, of a new vegan concept. So that's all keeping me busy. Wow, that, there's certainly a lot on your plates, David. Um, it's, a, hmm, it's, it's a big plate. <laughs> I'm very impressed how diverse you've, you know, how you've adapted. Um, I think those are really, really great ideas. Um, and I'm delighted that your, your vegan delivery has taken off so well, um, which I think is a great shout. Um, and I look forward to seeing the other avenues now coming to fruition. Um, I think that's really impressive to see, you know, how you've adapted and I hope, you know, others could mm -hmm. maybe take, take a, take a leaf out of your book and uh, also maybe adapt some of those. Not changes. too many of them. No, no, I don't want anybody else to take a leaf out of my book. No, no. no, no competition. <laughs> no competition, please. Leave it, leave it wide open for me. <laughs> Talking of competition, there's been, there's been some interesting um, announcements over the past couple of days. Um, unfortunately, some more casualties in our sector. Um, you know, I've noticed that the announcement of the Revolution Bars unfortunately going into a CVA and they've mentioned they're going to have to drop six sites potentially, losing 130 jobs. Um, also with uh, Cafe Nero, who've announced they may be entering a CVA. Um, yeah. There's quite a few of these, um, you know, brands really taking a big pounding at the moment. Um, how do you see us getting, getting how do you see them? How, what advice would you give them to try and navigate through these challenging times in your humble opinion well uh, it's not for, it's not my place to advise them because um, you know, i'm a very small independent operator and i and i i don't always totally understand the challenges of the larger groups but i, I think sometimes when you see um multiple sites the only way to negotiate with the landlords because you might have I'm sure someone like Cafe Nero must, I don't know how many units they have, but it must be in the hundreds now. And I imagine that means they have as many landlords to deal with. So the CVA may be the only vehicle that they've got to save the business, to give them the leverage 
to renegotiate the rents. Um, and I, I talked to uh, one of my neighbors on Charlotte Street, um, who's very jealous of me only having one restaurant because he has 64 <laughs> to worry about. Um, so uh, my neighbor, Johnny, and you might know who that is, uh, he does say that it's a blessing in disguise to have only one site. Is when you've got to deal with, I think he has 64 restaurants and 59 landlords. Yeah. I think that that is very much a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, staying in the game and if the CVA means that it keeps you in the game, I think when we come through this, we're going to see better times when there the simply will be less competition on the high street. Sure. And lots of new people. Yeah, lots of new people entering the market in the same way that you know I got into the market in 91 through the early 90s recession. Um, I wouldn't have gotten onto Charlotte Street without those hard times. So, you know, hard times will, will, will bring new operators and uh, new, new prosperity. Sure. I yeah. hope. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment from, uh, from my side of things, because um, obviously this, these market conditions have brought a lot of opportunity. And I think that's a word I've really always been focusing on since March, um, as best I can. Um, but what yeah. we have is when you're getting fully fitted restaurants or bars at you know very low premiums or nil premiums or new landlord deals um, with incentives to some degree um, like you say it's it's allowing the, the you know the new embryonic concepts who want to grow and get on the ladder and actually an opportunity to get on there and get some cracking prime sites which mm -hmm. pre-march you probably wouldn't have been able to get anywhere near with substantial premiums and other cost implications um, so I think definitely you know, huge opportunity if you, if one has the vision and the ability and the financial support to be able to get onto the ladder. Um, so I think I'm hoping in the coming months we will see a lot more of that um, and, and see them and grow through. Talking of which, um, some more positive news uh, I saw was the Fabric Nightclub. I think we're all very familiar with Fabric. Um, I'm not sure if you've frequented there, David. Um, oh, I they... have. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> um, and I understand they've got a um, 1.5 million pound grant from the Culture Recovery Fund, um, which I think is a super boost for such a iconic operation. Um, it would be really impressive if we could see, you know, many more examples of that, um, where we can try and, you know, salvage and keep these great, great operations. Um, trying to yeah, think of else. I, but it also it also strikes me as unfair across hospitality that so many small operators like myself have got no grants because my rateable value was too high. Um, the rateable value, the, I don't know what the average rateable value is inside the M25, but you know, the, the cap was 54,000, 55,000. Yeah. And I'm 124,000. Um, and you know, it, it, it's like, we don't really have a loud enough voice fighting for us. And there's been some talk recently about you know, a, a new minister for hospitality. And that's something that we should all get behind and push for, somebody who can help us because that, that grant that you're talking about has come from culture. the arts, cultural. So culture has its own minister, hospitality doesn't. And that kind of shows you that the, the weight of the voice that you get when you have a minister on your side and hospitality deserves a minister. I totally agree, and I'm 100% behind that. I and mean, we should certainly get together 
and and uh, and try and push that. I know there's been some noise about it. We should definitely. There try. is. There's actually a petition. I will forward it onto you later. There is a petition out there, that, and when I signed it, I think it was on around thirty-four thousand signatures. Um, I can dig it out and forward it onto you. Please do. Uh, well, and and it, it could be popped up on the um on the podcast. Sure, definitely, definitely, definitely important for us. Um, uh, yeah, and also, I mean, the government have been trying. They've definitely um you know keep coming back to the drawing board. Um, as you know, they've recently announced the the latest um helping helping out. So as you know, employers who are working twenty percent of their of their full time would get a ninety five percent top up from the government, um, which obviously that figure is obviously capped. Um, do you think that model is going to help us a bit more um, and just help us, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the word survive? Do you think that's a good model in your opinion? Well, I haven't actually read the full detail on it. Uh, and it's only when you get into the, the detail where we know that's where the devil lives. Um, <laughs> but any assistance is greatly appreciated. Um, it seems... Uh, we, we we kind of we're staggering from one scheme to another scheme uh, it might just have been better to elongate the other and give us a few more months on a scheme that we all knew and understood um i'm not sure if we're better off i think the cap is at two one instead of at two five uh, right. so the upper earning um capacity is limited but i think there are also things that they're not doing and they're not even thinking about doing I, one of my rants, and you know, you talk, you said that you you read my caterer, and I'm, I often call myself. I think I'm the grumpy old man of the restaurant world, um, always, always ranting on it. And I want to stop ranting. I want I just. I mean, I'm getting sick of it, but nobody wants to listen. And there are so many things broken. And there's one huge thing that is broken: is business rates. Business rates. This is a fantastic opportunity to take take on. A challenge as big as business rates. You know, I think it, it generates something like 26 billion for the government. So this is a time, and, and it's totally unfair, totally unfair. So I can give you a very quick um, comparison on Charlotte Street, uh, a street of many restaurants and very few homes. There is a house uh, five, six doors down from Pied de Terre, and, and it is, I think, the last freestanding, fully fledged residential property on Charlotte Street, worth around 8 million, um, or maybe if you were selling it, 9 million. <laughs> um, and and his, his council tax is just under 4,000 pounds wow. for that building, the same square footage as Pierre de Terre. And my business rates are just north of 60,000 pounds. Now, why on earth am I paying 60,000 pounds? It is a tax to trade. Amazon have a uh, a warehouse in Milton Keynes, and their business rates are around 35,000, I believe. Uh, it is all just so unfair. And you know the thing that really f pisses me off is that the guy on Charlotte Street, he gets his rubbish collected for free, included in his council tax. And I have to pay £1.20 to £1.50 a bag to have my commercial rubbish collected on top of a £60,000 business rates. Now, now you can understand why I am a grumpy old man who is just you know, getting grumpier. Let's fix something like business rates at a time when the world is up for change and knows that things have to change. A sales tax 
like they have in the States would be good. You know, when you the first time you go to America and you buy a pair of jeans and you see the price ticket is $30 and they say to you, that's $33.59. And you're like, no, no, it's $30. And you don't realize that each state has different sales taxes. That's how they should deal with it in the UK, a sales tax. So all of those internet companies, delivery companies, they are all paying and contributing towards business rates. Yeah, we basically need a level playing field for all the operators. It would, wouldn't it? Size. I totally, I hear that. Yeah. So, you know, another rant of mine <laughs> is these people working from home. If they're going to work from home, start charging them business rates. You can't have it both ways. You can't be paying council tax for a domestic premises and then start working from home. That would get them back to the office. But the government don't want them back to the office yet. But when they do want them back to the office, start introducing business rates on homes where they are working from home. That is a very, very interesting comment to make. What about the fact that they have, the local restaurants have really thrived on that basis? I guess on a short-term basis. Um, but I have noticed a lot of the suburbs have really, really gone, you know, with their dark kitchen. Yeah, they're taking off, yeah. Uh, which has been great. But the question is, what will then happen to the West End and the city, um, which is the heart of London? Um, and I think it's so important we protect that for so many reasons. So, yeah, very, very interesting point on that front. Get, going back for not, a... not everyone's going to be coming back to the city. You know, I, am, I imagine that most big companies that have several buildings across the West End or in the city, they, they're not going to reopen them all. But other companies will come in. You know, the, the prices will change for office space and there'll be the new codes coming in, the new startups. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the city is probably looking like a two and a half to three and a half year coming back period. It's going to be hard for people who are in the city, I think, more so than the West End. We, we just need tourists back. Right. I think I think maybe one idea of looking at for the city is that there will, there will still be a very big demand for offices, but people will be downsizing. So they might end up yeah. being a hybrid system where they'll do a couple of days at home and three days in the office, and therefore they'll reduce the floor plates. So one would hope that there'll still be a, a good demand. And obviously, if they're people in offices, they've got to eat and they've got to drink and they've got to party, yeah. which will fuel our sector. Um, but I think we'll see potentially a lot of downsizing of that. Um, but hopefully that will then again reinvent itself and, and pick things up again. Um, so, yeah, let's see how that all works out. Um, I also, another, another thing that's been quite topical, um, which I'm sure you've heard, is these is the school dinners for, for school kids um, over half term. Um, I personally was very shocked at the government's decision, um, you know, but it is what it is. Um, but what I was, it was, was very nice to hear, a number of operators, one of which is McDonald's, have yeah. promised million free meals for for school kids on half term i think that is so fabulous and such a pleasure to hear for our sector um what are your thoughts on that well it, it does it is it's big business having a social conscience um and i think mcdonald's also uh hands up to them you know for on the um employment retention scheme where they uh there was the offer of a thousand pounds from the chancellor I think um, McDonald's said no, that, that they wouldn't take it, um, which, which does sound to me like the right thing to do because the big businesses, they need to support their staff and they're not going to be keeping staff on that 
just to get a, a, a bonus. But it's nice to see a social conscience in a company as big as McDonald's um, makes your heart sing a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, very, very pleasurable to see. Um, yeah, but, but why are the government not being more proactive on that? Um, you know, poverty, child poverty, child starvation, not starvation, but um, you know, child hunger. Uh, it shouldn't be in this country. Those, that's another country that we're talking about. And then you realize that they're not talking about another country. They're actually talking about here, the UK, that there are families who are having to decide who's going to eat, who's going to be able to afford to eat what. Uh, and it's very, very sad. It is very sad. And like you said, I think we all have a social obligation to do whatever we can to support that, of course, without yeah. saying. Um, but would have been, you know, we'd like to have seen the government do a bit more on that front. Yeah, the, I mean, the government can throw 500 million at ba bailing out the bankers when they want. But, you know, just spend a few million on feeding needy people. It seems more than more than they can get their heads around. Yeah. Well, I'm very proud our sector has stepped in. I think it's a, it's a huge. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. Absolutely. Uh, talking of re you know, our restaurant sector, um, what does the future of restaurants look like to you? <laughs> well, you know, we we are getting a battering, um, yeah. and you know, we're also we've got the the spectre of the the, the whole Deliveroo um, mob. Who, you know, I've I've been asked many times, will Deliveroo take over the whole restaurant world? Now, we're going to see a lot of casualties, and that's why I, I just keep saying focus on next March, April, keep going through till then and, and we should see better times. We'll see by the spring of next year, we'll have proper green shoots of growth for our industry. Um, people want to be looked after, they want to be fed, they want to be welcomed, they don't want to wash up every night. Uh, eating out is inspirational. So, you know, eating out is aspirational. People aspire to dine out um, and in fine dining restaurants. So they say, is the day of the fine dining restaurant done? I said, no, it's not. You know, this is where you come to have that little extra wow. This is where you celebrate your birthday, your anniversary. This is where you make your proposal. Um, yeah, so I, I see a rosy time ahead. Once we get through this, this current period, I think people are always going to want to be looked after. Yeah, I think it's in our nature. We love going out. We love eating. We love the whole social aspect of it. It's just so much fun. Um, talking about food, what, what, as a chef, what's your favourite food? What do you? <laughs> well, no, you, you have said I'm a chef. Um, I'm probably better described as a restaurateur. Uh, you know, I did train as a chef as a kid, but it's not me that cooks at Pied de Terre. Um, what's my favourite food? Uh, the kids and I, we love going out with Chinese is something. It's all about, you know, sitting down with, with the kids and my wife and um, having fun. Uh, and, but they also, they they are getting more adventurous and in, in, in their eating habits. And so I've got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, two, two great girls. Um, so I think their current favourite is meat liquor. Um, they're really, you know, into the burgers and the shakes at the moment. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great concept, a great model. Um, okay, I think we've, we've touched on quite a few topics here today. Um, thank you so much for sharing with us um, 
your various visions. Um, I, I think a real summary of today is diversity. And I think you've really, you know, pushed the boundaries on that front, which is very commendable. And I hope they're very rewarding. Yeah. A great, great restaurant. Um, I think we, um, we need to really look at remodeling possibly going forward the, the way things are. Um, and I think opportunity, giving everyone a chance. You mentioned in 1991, when I remember the interest rates were skyrocketing at that time. 13 and a half, 14% on my mortgage. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's what you started. And thankfully we're here nearly 30 years later, um, having yeah. this conversation with a fantastic reputation. Um, so thank you so much. Really, really uh, enjoyed speaking to you and uh, look, for, look forward to seeing you going from strength to strength. Thank you for listening to The Morilov Show. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more episodes.